The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's word and my life will never be the same because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. All right, last week we started uh, off talking about favor, favor, how you can get the supernatural favor of God to flow through you, uh, how to activate it and how to stay, to keep it flowing. Basically, that's what we were talking about last week. And we discovered that favor starts with God. Say that after me, favor starts with God. Uh, uh, Say these words after me, God is the source of all favor, all of it. Uh, Luke 2 verse 52, if you remember, the Bible says Jesus, the Christ, grew in wisdom and his stature and he also grew in favor with God and man. So Jesus grew in favor primarily with God, who is the source of all favor, and that favor translated to man favoring him. And we said last week, uh, the best way to operate in favor is to receive it from God. And not try to get it from man. Amen? Amen. When you try to get favor from man, you will short circuit uh, the system. Uh, Let us uh, go to John chapter number 12 from verse 42 to 43 uh, to prove this. And then we will go uh, somewhere else. Amen. It says in John 12 verse 42 to 43, Nevertheless, amongst the chief rulers, also many believed on him. Talking about Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him. Or because of the people, they didn't confess him. They didn't publicly uh, declare their commitment to him. And he tells us the reason. Uh, He says, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. Or lest men should reject them. Because synagogues represented man. Man's systems of religion. Amen. So he's saying here, they believed on Jesus. But they wouldn't publicly confess him because they were afraid man was going to reject uh, them. And watch the net effect of that. Verse 43. For, this is the reason why they did that. For they loved the praise of man more than the praise of God. Now this is a Bible principle that is strong. If you're going to operate in favor, you're going to have to focus on favor vertically or vertically. Uh, uh, as opposed to horizontally. Try and get favor from God. And it is that favor that you get from God that will translate to men uh, favoring you. I said last week and I'll say it again. Every one of us, those of you who are married, you need favor with your wife. You need favor with your spouse. 
Yeah, but the way to get favor with your wife is not to try and get favor with your wife because you will short-circuit the system and start doing all kinds of, you know, things that will just mess up that relationship. Uh, the way to get favor with your wife is to draw favor from God, and as you do, it will translate uh, to favor with your wife. You need favor with your children. Man, you need your children to listen to your wisdom and to your counsel. Uh, those of you who have kids, you wouldn't uh, like this. You wouldn't want your children to think you're just another clown in the house. But how do you get that favor with them for them to start listening to you? You pursue God and you draw that favor from God and then your children will start to listen to you. And that's the way you get it. Because if you try to get it from them, they will move you from being parent to being a peer. But God has called you to be their parent. So you can use the rod of correction on the seat of understanding. (laughs) Where there's extra padding. Amen? That's what God has called you to do. So if you don't focus on the thing that God has called you to do, if you don't draw that favor from God, you will short-circuit the system and mess up relationships horizontally because you're going to try to do it in your own strength. Now, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse 11. It's going to be good today. It's going to be awesome. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse 11. As we are celebrating four years of faith your church, I believe in my heart of hearts that God has given each and every single individual under the sound of my voice an assignment that is so big it will radically change the world. I don't believe that God has created anyone to be average. I don't believe that God has created anyone to be an accident. Every single person under the sound of my voice is a high calling. That's what the Bible calls it. It calls it the high calling. Every single person under the sound of my voice is a high calling that when you start operating in it, you will change people's lives radically. But how do you get to start operating in that high calling? That's what we're going to find out today. The Bible says, now all these things, talking about the Old Testament saints, there are two ways to learn. Someone say two ways. There are two ways to learn in life. You can either learn by your own mistakes or learn by someone else's mistakes. Uh, The latter is much cheaper than the former. You know, making your own mistakes to try and learn from them may cost you a whole lot of life. Let's put it that way. And money sometimes. And you know, you don't want to learn from your own mistake. So God has devised a clever way where we can learn from other people's mistakes. And this is what we are reading in 1 Corinthians 10, 11. It says, now all these things happened unto them. All these things happened to the Old Testament saints for ensamples. That word ensample is for our example. So, you know, the Old Testament cats would walk through uh, the pit and then fall into the pit so that you can look at them and know you don't have to walk the same way. Amen? But it's amazing how people keep walking that way. Anyway, it says all these things happened to them as an ensample or our example. And they were written for our admonition. That word admonition means learning. It says these things were then written and put into a Bible so that you could read them and learn from them. Upon whom the ends of the world are to come. So, what he's saying, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth is, man, you can go into the Old Testament and see these Bible characters and begin to learn some life principles that will change your life forever. In other words, you could if you're going through a financial crisis, you could go into the Bible and read about the widow at Zarephath and find out what she did with her financial struggles and then you can tap into the same principles and you know liberate yourselves financially amen you can go to Abraham and read about uh, what not trusting God can produce for you and Ishmael which is still causing problems for us today 
You know, when you don't listen to God and complete. So you can go into the Old Testament and learn from these men and women of God. And one of my favorite characters to learn from is the man called jo- uh, Joseph. I was about to say Joshua, but Joseph. Joseph, you remember the story? And today I'm going to give you the four P's of uh, favor, not of marketing. The four P's of favor. Amen. So Joseph gets a dream. Remember the story? He sees a dream while he's sleeping and his brothers are around him and they are bowing down to him. How many of you remember the story? Yeah. You remember? Joseph, you know, was sleeping and he got a dream. God gave him a dream. Just like he has given a dream to almost everyone in here. You have a dream. You have a calling, you have an assignment that God has given you. But sometimes what happens is because of the assignment that God has given you, man will reject you. So, you know, Joseph went and shared his uh, dream with his brothers. And his brothers, because of their sinful nature, you know, their sinful way of living, uh, uh, you know, they rejected him. Because they were susceptible to being influenced by Satan. You know, the story Simeon and uh, uh, Levi were murderers, uh, what's the other dude, Reuben, and the other guy, uh, uh, Judah, they were committing incest and so on and so forth. So these boys were messed up already. And then the enemy just came and influenced them to hate on their brother. So they decided, you know what, we're going to kill this guy. I've heard pastors say this. You know, you need to be careful who you share your dream with and so on and so forth. If you share with these kind of people, they will, man, you're going to get attacks whether you share your dream or you don't. Just the fact that you got a dream from God, Satan doesn't like it. And he begins to influence and send forces that will come and counter that dream from God. And watch what happens in Mark chapter number 4 verse 16. Let me read that. Mark 4, verse 16. So you're going to get some challenges. That will land you in the first P, which is the pit. Watch what he says. This is Jesus explaining. Uh, You know, he's talking about the word. He's talking about people receiving the word with gladness. And this is what happened. And these are they likewise, which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word... Immediately receive it with gladness. Just like Joseph, man, he received this assignment from God with excitement, with gladness. But watch what happens. Almost often. And they have no root in themselves and so endure, but for a time. Afterward, someone say afterward. Now, this is what happens when you receive a dream from God. There is a word called afterward. He says afterward when. Notice he didn't say afterward if. He says afterward when. Affliction or persecution ariseth for the sake of the what? For the word's sake. So the persecutions and the attacks, they are coming. They're not coming from God. They're coming from Satan so that he can steal this dream away from you. And it's sad to say most people get immediately offended and they drop the dream. That's why we have a lot of people who have now downgraded their lives to just, you know, an eight to five. And pay their bills. Because when they got that prophetic word, Satan came against them for the sake of the word. And unfortunately, he succeeded stealing that dream from them. No, not Joseph. Because his brothers decided they were going to kill him. And then they changed their minds along the way. They said, okay, let's throw him in a pit. And some of you remember this from last week. We said, man, when you're in a pit, the best way to look is upwards. Man, when you find yourself in pit situations where you feel rejected, where you feel those around you aren't supporting your dream, let me tell you, the best way is not to try and manipulate those around you. The best way is not to try and write a motivation letter to your brothers. 
about how this dream is great for them. The best way to deal with it is to look up to the author and the finish of our faith, who is Jesus. And man, when you look up, you can draw strength from him. But when you look around, you're going to draw strife and bitterness. Now, this dude knew that you can't operate in a God-given assignment with strife and bitterness. So he looked up while he was in the pit. What do you do when you find yourself in a pit situation? It will determine whether you're going to go all the way to your assignment and to fulfill the assignment that God has put on your life. Can I get an amen? So the next P that you get is called patience. And I know you don't like this one. What did I say? Prison. Prison. Did I say pit? Man. I didn't say prison. Oh, no. The next P you get is prison. Prison. (laughs) From the pit to the prison. From the pit to the prison. Because what happened was, uh, Joseph, if you remember, he ended up uh, being sold to Potiphar. Remember the story? And then he got promoted in Potiphar's house and he was the chief butler. And he's running things in this house. And Potiphar's wife decided in this one beautiful uh, Saturday night that she was going to tempt him. She wanted to go to bed with him. So she came into the room wearing all this sexy regalia to try and, you know, seduce him and uh, to try and get to sleep with Joseph because he had the anointing of God on him. And man, Joseph, said these words. Let's go to Genesis chapter number uh, 39 and we're going to read from verse uh, we're going to read from verse 9. Genesis 39 verse 9. Watch what it says. This is when uh, uh, Joseph had been seduced and he knew he was a man on a mission. Someone shout, I'm a man. I'm a woman on a mission. See, when you keep your eye on the prize and on the mission, all these little immediate gratifications, you can easily defeat them. The reason why men and women get distracted by sexy Potiphar's wives is because they don't keep their eyes on the prize. So when you don't keep your eye on the end game, you'll get distracted with things that don't matter. Hallelujah. So this is what uh, Joseph said to Potiphar's wife. He said, there is none greater in this house than me. And can you imagine? He is at this point just starting to enjoy a little bit of the favor that God had promised him. He went into this house as a slave and he was made the chief butler. He is starting to enjoy a good salary. He is starting to pay off the debts. He, he, he's only starting to you know, pay off the mortgage. He's starting to enjoy life. And he gets the greatest test of his life. And this test is not coming from God. It's coming from the devil. Hallelujah. And this is what happened. And this is what he said to them. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against Potiphar? I mean, God is not even in the picture. This is not God's wife. I mean, we... God can do better than that. I mean, we know that, but... This is not God's wife, but he's so God conscious, a man on a mission, a man on a journey to make sure that his dreams come to fruition. He's not about to be distracted. So God conscious. He said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Because the only thing on his mind is God. He's not getting caught. 
<laughs> See, I struck a chord. I struck a chord. <laughs> See, because if the only thing on your mind is getting caught, and it's so dumb, how people think you're not going to get caught? Because the Bible says God is omnipresent. So he's in Edenville. He's in, he's in PE. He's in East London. But it's amazing. How, and he also has seraphims and cherubims everywhere. In Eastgate too, watching... But it's amazing how people think, you know, I, I, you know, my, my great, no, your greatest thing should be not to transgress against God. Yeah. You should be sure God focused that man, this is a God thing. Yeah. And you know what this did? It landed him in prison for doing the right thing. Yeah. Man, I'm telling you, sometimes when you do the right thing, it may land you up in a place of, uh, it's not a physical prison, but it's a prison of sometimes your own insecurities. It's a prison of competition for some. Uh, for some, it's a prison of trying to, you know, attract man's uh, 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 praise and honor and favor and so on and so forth. And you get so caught up in that, you miss that for you to operate in this favor, you have to be God conscious. Man, trying to get praise and honor from man will just short circuit the system. Amen? In fact, you can't get praise and honor from man to your satisfaction. I've learned in my, you know, uh, years in ministry that men always change their standards. Today it's Hosanna, Hosanna, tomorrow it's crucify him. Today is, if you're pretty, you have to be uh, 75 kgs. And just after you worked so hard to get to 75, they will move it to 68. <laughs> in the next magazine. Today is this tone, you know, if you achieve this tone and everyone is bleaching as you get to that tone. They say, ah, black is beautiful. <laughs> the darker the berry, the sweeter the juice. Man, they keep switching on you. <laughs> Amen? So you can't go by man's standards. And I'm not saying, you know, don't be a person who desires for men to appreciate you and so on and so on. You must desire for men to appreciate you, but you mustn't live on the appreciation of you. Because it's an unhealthy place to be. If you can live on the appreciation of you, they can also stop you by not appreciating you. Can I get an amen? amen? So your focus of favor and your admiration and honor should be God. It's the favor and the focus like that that will get you to even function in faithfulness while you're in prison. I mean, this dude was still faithful in prison. By this time, he could have been bitter and full of strife. But I mean, this guy, he's the only one in the Bible that I've read where God hasn't, you know, uh, 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 called him out. God didn't rebuke Joseph. Not at any point in his assignment. And this dude went through some stuff. I mean, he's in prison, still functioning, still being faithful, still focusing on God and still thankful. Why? Because where there is strife, there is confusion and every evil work. And he had all the right to be bitter and to be strive, to be full of strife against his brothers. But he chose not to. Amen? And I'm telling you, if there's a place you need to be, you need to be in a place where you're so God-conscious and God-focused that what man will do to you doesn't even matter. Can I get an Amen. So, uh, the next P is patience. Someone say patience. Everything in the kingdom of God takes time, and patience is critical. Now, this guy gets a dream when he's 17 years old. And by this time, he's about 28 years old, and nothing has happened. What do you do when your dream is taking that much time? How do you function? Let's go to Hebrews chapter number 10, verse 36. And I know I'm preaching to a microwave generation. 
You want to dream it today and tomorrow. It's already happening in your life. Things in the kingdom of God take time. It says in Hebrews chapter number 10, verse 36. Can I read it in the New Living Translation, please? It says, patient endurance is what you need now. After you've received a dream from God and a vision and a prophetic word, this is what you need. Hunt your neighbor and tell them, patient endurance is what you need now. Man, after you've received that dream and that prophetic word, what you need is to now wait on the Lord. Now, waiting on the Lord doesn't mean, you know, just sitting still and, you know, twiddling your thumbs. Waiting on the Lord means you wait on his timing. Remember the man Moses? He's given a dream. He's given a vision and assignment by God. And he's told, you are the deliverer of the children of Israel. And then Moses goes to work the next day. And he wants to deliver the children of Israel. But watch this. He's doing it in his own strength. And if, in fact, if you read that account, the Bible says Moses was educated in all of the Egyptian wisdom. In other words, Moses had a PhD from Harvard. But when he tried to do it in his own strength, you know what it ended up happening to him? He ended up running all the way to the desert. It, it short-circuited the system. Because it wasn't God's timing. Killed a man. You remember the story? He tried to talk to these Hebrews who were fighting. They said, you, you have no right to talk to any of us. So he had to run to the desert. And there he spent 40 years getting ready for the assignment. See, when you short-circuit the system, sometimes it may take you a little longer to come back on track than if you had just, you know, stayed under God's leadership and guidance. Can I get an amen? Amen. Man, this is not going to make you shout, but I'm telling you, this will change the way you think. Because Moses, the story was, the children of Israel were supposed to be delivered at 400 years. He went at 390. He wanted to do it in his own timing. Short-circuited that whole thing, uh, wound up in the desert for 40 years, emptying himself of himself. You know, just because you have a, the Bible says he was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was eloquent in speech. No one could talk like Moses. And he tried to use his talk and his education to deliver the children of Israel. And God didn't want any of that. So God said to him, dude, you're going to have to deal with self. All you have to do for the most part is to empty self of self. If you want God to use you. Because at this point, Moses was self-reliant. God wants you to be God-dependent. Because it's not your accolades. It's not your eloquence. That breaks the yoke. It's the anointing. In fact, let me give you a new definition of uh, the word pride. Let's go to James 4, 6. Let's read James chapter number 4, verse 6. So when you're patient, when you're practicing patience, you are emptying self of self. Amen? Watch what he says in verse 6. He says, and he gives grace generously. As the scripture says, God opposes the what? Man, if you want to be vessels against God, <laughs> which means on the other side, on the wrong side of that word versus, operating pride. Now, what the word pride simply means is self-reliant. Hallelujah. As opposed to God-dependent. 
Man, maturity in Christianity is actually realizing that you need more and more of God as you grow in your Christian walk. Man, if you ever get, this is a dangerous place. If you ever get to a place, you know, my little kids, uh, uh, now they feel like they can do everything, you know, and we feel, you know, we, we like that as parents. They don't want us to carry them into the car anymore. They want to do it by themselves. And as they grow older, we expect them to start, you know, putting on the seatbelt by themselves and so on and so forth. Man, in the kingdom of God, as you grow older, you expect God to put that seatbelt for you and start telling you what to do and become more spiritually sensitive to his will and his ways and his timing. So Moses goes for 40 years just to empty himself of Moses. At the end of the 40 years, God says to him, I want you to go and speak to Pharaoh. You know what the first thing God, uh, Moses said? I can't speak. Now we can use you. Now we can use you. The first thing he says, man, I can't talk. And God is like, yeah, now we can use you. Now it's no longer about your PhD from Harvard. It's no longer about, you know, the the prophetic word. It's about what God is bringing on the inside of you and God working through you. The Bible says his eyes go to and fro throughout this whole thing, looking for someone to show himself strong through. God wants to work through you. He doesn't want you to do the work and put a little sticker that says God on it. Man, that's good preaching. He says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That word humble just simply means God dependent. Man, God gives power. He gives strength to those who are God dependent. As opposed to those who want to do it in their own strength. So this dude is in the prison. He's taking care of business in the prison. And then he happened to uh, interpret dreams for these two nobodies in the prison. How many of you know that when you're faithful, sometimes you'll have to minister to people who are nobodies? But sometimes it's the faithfulness in people who are nobodies that brings the anointing of gold and connectivity to the people who hold your promotion in their hand. So he ministers to these two cats. One of them die, and the other one found himself in the presence of the king and at the king's ear. And this is what happened. Let's go now to Genesis chapter number 41 verse 9. Is this helping you? Yes. Someone shout, I will, I will. not give up not on this dream because of persecutions. And persecution is coming. Well, I don't like it, Pastor. It doesn't matter what you like. The enemy doesn't like you. He doesn't like that God has put a dream on you. He doesn't like that. He doesn't like that you're royalty. So you will send everything your way. And you need to stay focused on God. Now watch what happened. This is where the promotion happens. The head cup bearer then spoke up and said to Pharaoh. Pharaoh, it was after Pharaoh had dreams that no one could interpret. You remember the story? And here, I want to read it in the message Bible, if you will. And here... This is the cupbearer saying to the king, Oh, king, I just remembered something. I'm so sorry. I should have told you this a long time ago. Once when Pharaoh got angry with his servants, he locked me and the head baker in the house of the captain of the guard. We both had dreams on the same night, each dream with its own meaning. It so happened that there was a young Hebrew slave there with us. And he belonged to the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams and he interpreted them. Who, who, who was that young man? Joseph. Next verse. 
He interpreted them for us. Each dream separately. Things turned out just as he interpreted. I was returned to my position and the head baker was impaled. So the king sent out to call for Joseph. And Joseph came and he said, Joseph, I want you to interpret this dream that I just had. So Joseph began to interpret the dream. He said, it's going to be seven years of abundance and seven years of famine. And he said, in the seven years of abundance, we want someone with strategic thinking that will stock up for the seven years of famine. And the king was so impressed. And this is what he said in verse 39. In the Message Bible, let's go to verse 38, actually. The king said, we need to, uh, Joseph said, you need to look for this man. And this is what Pharaoh said. Man, I'm telling you, when God puts an anointing on that thing, you won't have to self-promote. <laughs> Joseph didn't write a motivation letter and say, king, I can do this. God spoke to Pharaoh to see who could do it. And the Bible says the heart of the king, Proverbs 21 verse 1. It says the heart of the king or the heart of decision makers or the heart of your boss or the heart of the people that have your promotion. The heart of the president is in the hand of the Lord. And like a stream, he directs it in whichever direction he wills. Man, all you have to do is focus and work with God and God will focus and work with the people and turn their hearts to favor you. See, but what we try to do is to do the horizontal thing and we end up short-circuiting that whole thing. Amen? Then Pharaoh said to his officials, isn't this the man that we need? Are we going to find anyone else who has God's spirit in him like this? Next verse. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, you are the man for us. God has given you the inside story. Man, Joseph had the inside scoop. No one is as qualified as you in experience and wisdom. From now on, you are in charge of my affairs. All my people will report to you. Man, he's moving from the prison to the palace in a moment. Because it's a God thing. See, you're trying to move from college to trainee, graduate trainee, to analyst, to middle management. If you take that thing and give it to God, it's from college to CEO. (laughs) See, you saw carnal, you didn't even get it. And I'm telling you, if you give that thing to God and stay connected with God, man, this is from prison to the palace. From now on, you are in charge of my affairs. All my people will report to you. Only as king will I be over you. He was now second in charge. Next verse. So Pharaoh commissioned Joseph. I'm putting you in charge of the entire country of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his finger and slipped it on Joseph's hand. In other words, you now have authority. Man, this is where I have respect for Joseph. After, jo- after this happens, you know what else happens? He slipped it on Joseph's hand. He outfitted him in robes of the best linen and put a gold chain around his neck. Some of that bling. He put the second in command. He put him second in command. Uh, uh, a chariot at his disposal. In other words, he now had soldiers under him. Now, you remember the dream that he got from God? That he saw his brothers bowing down to him? Now, if you or me were Joseph... At this point, we probably would have given in to the temptation of making that dream a reality. 
Because from the day this happened, and nine years later, is the only time Joseph actually sees his brothers bowing down. So it took nine years from being put in authority to actually seeing the dream becoming a reality. If it was you or me. Okay, let me speak for me. If it was me, I would have gone to the king and said, King, I just need this weekend off with the soldiers. I have a small piece job that I need to take care of. Down in Canaan. I would have told the boys, boys, follow me. Let's go. And I would have gone to my old childhood home. And surrounded that thing with the army. And then fired a few rounds in the air. Just Until all 11 of them come out. And then I would go ahead. I would proceed to ask them. Which one of you is not bowing down today? In fact, before I ask that, I would ask them, do you want us to do it the hard way or the easy way? In other words, I would have put it in my own hands to make the dream come to pass. And that's the mistake most people make. When God gives you the dream, he also has the ability. In fact, the Bible says in the New Testament, he who has given you the dream is also faithful to bring it to pass. In other words, God still has enough power to bring his dreams to come to pass. And Joseph is so full of integrity, he just goes on with his day-to-day business until God in his own timing, makes the dream a reality. Even when God does make the dream a reality, this man has zero pride in him. He even makes up a story just to make his brothers feel comfortable around him. He says, it was, it was not your fault. I was meant to be here so that I could be second. Man, he's trying to make them comfortable. I wouldn't have done that. How do you say, boys, you remember? You remember the dream? Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put you all in a classroom set and give you pieces of paper. And I want you to write what you remember from the dream. (laughs) And then we'll compare notes. And then we'll get you guys to do it in front of everyone. No, he doesn't even do that. You know why? Because this man is full of integrity. He's so committed to God. He lets God do his thing. All he's focused on is making sure that God is pleased with him. Let me tell you, child of God, it takes absolutely no effort for you to go to heaven. Amen. No requirements. But there is a list of requirements if God is going to use you. He says in the book of 1 Timothy, if any man desires to be a bishop, he desires a good thing. But a bishop must be a husband to one wife. Be a man who's not dependent on uh, uh, wine. Be a man who's up to teach. Be a man of patience. He begins to list all these things because for you to be a God representative, God is looking for a certain type of man. And there's only one, really, there's only one requirement. A man that would depend on God and listen to God. You remember Saul? Saul was told by God, I want you to go to the Amalekites and kill everybody. I want you to kill all of them. 
And so Saul went and killed almost everybody. He spared the king. He was asked to kill all the spoils. Don't take anything from the Amalekites because they've transgressed against God. That's what God told him. He said, if you do this thing, I'm going to establish your kingdom forever. In other words, you'll be in leadership from me forever. And then Saul goes and, you know, he defeated the Amalekites and he didn't kill everyone. He took some of the spoils, the nice ones, you know, the nice, the nice stuff. He took it. You know, some of the nice fattened cows, some of the nice fattened sheep. He took those and took them to the house. And God alerted the prophet Samuel. He said, go and check out what Saul is doing. So the prophet went and said, hey, Saul, how are you doing? He says, man, I, you know, just chilling, chilling. <laughs> I just chilling, man. We just, we just finished this battle. We killed all the Amalekites. And Samuel, the prophet, asked, did you do what God told you? And he said, oh, man, we killed everybody. And it so happened that as he finished saying that, there was some mooing <laughs> in the backyard. So Samuel said, what's that that I hear making noise in the backyard? And then you know what Saul said? He said, oh, no, no, no. We had to keep a few animals uh, so that we could offer them as sacrifices to God. He wanted to put a religious spin on it. Man, people would disobey God and put a religious spin on it. So just this outright disobey the laws of God and put it. No. And, you know, the, uh, a prophet said, man, did God not tell you that he was going to establish you forever? All you had to do was to kill everyone and be completely, totally reliant on him. And he said, oh, man, you know, we wanted to give sacrifices. And this is where the uh, famously coined phrase, to obey is better than to sacrifice comes from. He said, man, just obey God. It is not that God wants your sacrifices. It is because God wants you to listen to him as you go into the battle. And as you listen to him, God will get you to win. Man, I'm telling you, God has a dream on your life. He has placed a high calling on your life. But it takes a certain attitude. Have you ever heard the statement? Your attitude will determine your attitude. Man, that statement is true. It took Moses 40 years for him to get rid of Moses so that God could come in the picture. The Apostle Paul is his experience on his way to Damascus. Godly experience. It took him about 14 years for him to be ready for God to use him. Three and a half years of those, he was in the desert receiving the revelation of grace. And we over here in the microwave generation want to receive that assignment and put it in the microwave and put seven days and press start. It's not going to work. It takes time. He repeated it in the New Testament. He said, do not put a novice in a position of leadership. A novice is simply a new believer. He's saying, when a novice comes in amongst you, make sure they empty themselves of self. Because it is not your skills, it is not your talent that gets the job done. It is the anointing that breaks the yoke. And the anointing flows freely when you are totally committed and surrendered to God. And listen to what God has to say. And I always share this with my staff. You know, I had to catch one of them uh, off guard and bring them to alignment. I mean, the thing that they kept saying was, the people want this. The people, And I said, man, I don't care what the people want. Because that's actually what got Saul into trouble. What I care about the most is what God wants. Because the people told Saul, 
You could keep some of the cattle, but God said, kill all of them. Who cares what the people want? They're going to switch up on me anyway when David comes. In fact, they did. When David came on the picture, the same people who were saying, Saul, you are the man, turned around and said, man, David killed 10,000. You only killed 1,000. Switched up on him. Amen? Man, you need to stick with God and make it a commitment, a life commitment, that I'm going in, I'm going all in, and I'm going with God. And when you do, there's a promotion that's coming. Man, this man finds finds himself in the palace, second in charge. And he is so committed. And he delivers all of the nation of Israel because of his influence. Amen? Amen. If you're writing notes, write this down. Promotion does not come from man. It comes from God. Let's read Psalm 75 from verse 6 to 7. I'm telling you, the true character of a person is not tested when you're in the pit. It's tested when you get that authority and you're at the top. And you can make God's dreams come come to pass in your own strength. That's when your true character is tested. Amen? I said amen. Amen. In fact, Pharaoh thought he was the one promoting uh, Moses, but he wasn't. He was God. Watch what he says. He says, for promotion cometh neither from the what? Or from the west. Nor from the south. Promotion does not come horizontally. It's not coming from your boss. It's not coming from people around you. Where does promotion come? Watch what the next verse says. But God. Someone say, but God. But God God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up. Did you know that had Saul obeyed God, we would not have heard of David? But because of what Saul did, he was demoted. And David was promoted. Hallelujah. Man, I'm telling you, God is an assignment for you. All you have to do is stay on the journey and keep your eyes on him. Keep your eyes focused on God and not what's going on around you. You can easily get distracted in the prison, in the pit. You can easily get distracted during the period of of waiting patiently for God to bring it to pass. Don't get distracted. Keep your eyes on God. I'm telling you, there's going to be challenges coming your way. But if you keep your eyes on God, the Bible says many are the afflictions of the godly or the righteous. But the Lord delivers him out of how many? All of them. There's a deliverer who delivers you and me from all of them. And as we stand on God, we can make it all the way from the pit to the prison, through the prison, all the way to the palace. Because that's where God has called us to be, in the palace. He's called you to manifest your gift at palace level, at a global stage. He's called you to manifest his his gifts and talents at an international level. But for you to get there, man, you need to keep your eyes focused on God and let him and him only flow through. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today. We walk by faith and not by sight. Faith Hill, that's who.